You are listening to episode 181 of This is Type 1. Today, we're talking about how to manage your insulin with changing altitudes. All right. And with changing altitudes, no one actually understands why, except for one journal paper Colleen found that insulin rates change with different altitudes as well. So for example, when I fly home to Washington from Montana, my insulin rates change because my body takes less insulin when I'm in Montana versus at a different altitude like Washington, where it takes more insulin to bring my blood sugars down. And a cause could be because of Bernoulli's principle, which Colleen can explain. Yeah. So, oh, well, first off, I don't know if I would say that nobody knows except one journal paper. I did a quick Google search and that was like one that popped up. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of research out there on the actual science of why we have to take either more or less insulin at different altitudes. It just depends on the person. But when we're talking about getting on a, on a plane and you drastically change your altitude in that, like the pressurized cabin of an airplane, Bernoulli's principle is this thing in physics and fluid mechanics where with a pressure change, the especially in an insulin pump, you will get more or less insulin than the pump is actually delivering with that change in pressure. So when you take off in an airplane, the pressure change going from like ground level into the air up to like 35,000 feet, that will make it so you have either air bubbles going through your tubing or there's just not as much insulin going through because there's a, a that change in pressure. But on the other hand, when you land, that pressure change in reverse is going to push more insulin through your pump. So if you're like me and you end up walking to baggage claim, like it takes 20 minutes, especially in the Denver airport, by the time you get to baggage claim, your blood sugar has started to drop because it's started to uh, act on that insulin that's in your bloodstream from that change in pressure. So I typically end up with a baggage claim low when I pick up my bag and I'm like, got to have a voodoo donut now. (laughs) That's basically how it's been turning out. That's not so bad. (laughs) But yeah, for me, when I travel in planes and stuff, my blood sugar goes high during that plane travel time. And then depending on where I'm going. So for example, I flew from Washington to Denver yesterday for a layover. My blood sugar went low in Denver because of all the insulin that I had on board from being in Washington and then flying there. So with that in mind, generally when you're going somewhere for a trip or something like that, and you see the long term, and you're going to be there for more than a couple of days, you may want to think about adjusting your basal rates or even your carb ratios to account for that kind of like difference in altitude or difference in like say you're on vacation, it could be even activity level that you need to adjust for. I wish I had known about this back when I first visited Colorado Springs in 2018, because my blood sugars that entire trip were just high the whole time. And it was really annoying. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure now that it had to do with the difference in altitude or elevation between Washington and Colorado. But now because I live in Montana, and there's only about a 1000 feet of elevation gain between Missoula and Denver my blood sugars don't tend to skyrocket now when I'm there. It's more even keel. So that's nice. Yeah, that can be huge too. Cause like, even when you're, I won't get to this in a second, but even when you're like car travel too, from the difference between Montana and Denver, it's not as drastic as when I go from like Washington to Montana or Washington to Denver, because it's 
that's really drastic, but it's still like spikes and stuff like that. So definitely adjusting different rates and kind of playing around with it when you're in a different area can kind of be fun. It can be a little stressful, but it can definitely be helpful to maintain like good bludgers when you're in a different environment. So what to do when traveling, when you get highs and lows and basically diabetes in general, it's pretty much the same thing that we've been talking about forever is just taking extra supplies with you when you go somewhere new, making sure you know where a hospital is just in case something goes wrong. And then being just extra attentive to your diabetes because sometimes life can get in the way you can't forget like, oh, yeah, I'm diabetic and should take care of myself. So definitely keeping that in mind of keeping a closer eye on your blood sugars and how to maintain your travel expectations. And we do have an episode on this. I think it's also a good idea to to have a grace for yourself and your diabetes whenever you are traveling, because it's a, such a huge change in routine that your blood sugars are probably going to react somehow. The last trip that I went on to Denver, I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning to have, catch a 630 flight. And all the way from waking up to getting on the plane, my number just kept going up and up and up and up and up, even though I kept giving insulin and giving insulin and giving insulin. And so I have this nice graph that I took a screenshot on my phone of and sent to my husband. I was like, my blood sugars do not like flight days. (laughs) And then when I got on the plane, it started to level off. And then, of course, it crashed with with landing. Honestly, if the flight's just short enough, sometimes I just let it go and like just go high for a little while. And then when I land, my blood sugars are like spot on and I just like let it go and just sleep and feel gross. But I hate the feeling of being high. And so I would rather just rage bolus and then deal with it later. That's fair. That's, That's really fair. So changing your background rates when it comes to climate as well can be a huge thing when you're traveling too. And like understanding that even though you might be from a colder weather going to a hotter weather or hotter weather going to a colder weather, that's also another reason to adjust your settings, how you're doing things, how many snacks you might want to bring. Because I know for me, during the summers, I go low a lot more often than I do in the winters. Just one, because of how much activity I'm getting. And also that for some reason, my insulin absorbs faster when I'm warmer and probably because I am being active. So it's spreading faster in my body and stuff like that. And then vice versa when it comes to the colder weather too. Well, insulin absorbing more in heat is well known across diabetes land. I'm going to Florida in March. And so that's a good reminder that I need to remember my insulin is probably going to work a little bit better than it does when I'm in Montana, especially when it's really cold up here. That's very true. Where are you going in Florida? Sorry, we can sidetrack for a second. I'm not actually sure yet. It's part of my business coach's one of his events and he's releasing details on Friday. And so I'll know by the time this episode comes out. Oh, how fun. Okay. I went like a couple of years ago for my senior trip. So that's what I was asking. But yeah, so definitely taking into account, like even though traveling and like you're not necessarily flying and the altitudes are might not necessarily be different. Climate is also something to take into account for too. And then there's car travel versus flying. And I kind of mentioned this earlier, but so with rugby, we go from Bozeman, Montana to Colorado Springs, Denver in the central Colorado region. And there's about, again, as Colleen said earlier, about a thousand feet difference between the two. Now, when I flew 
from Denver to Bozeman yesterday, my blood sugars were very drastic in change. Not so much that I couldn't get it under control, but there was a definite, like you could see the difference in my sensor chart versus when I traveled by car, it's over a very long period of time. So it's not as dramatic, but the change definitely still happens, especially when you're sitting for longer than two hours for a flight. So instead of increasing my background insulin or decreasing my background insulin all of a sudden right there when I'm flying, like what I do when I'm flying, it's more so just increasing my carbs, like putting in like two or three extra carbs when I eat something that'll kind of help bring my butcher back into range and back where I want it to be when I'm traveling by a car instead of flying where you do it right there. And I'm never in Denver that long. So it's not like if I was more there for more than I would say a week or week and a half, then I would go in and change my settings in my pump to like a preset temporary basal pattern. Whereas with a car, we're usually going for an overnight trip and coming right back. So that's why I do adjust my carbs more than I adjust my basal rates for that. And then so something I would say as a tip to everybody... If you're going to be gone for more than a week and a half to two weeks, and you know that you have a pattern of going higher when your blood sugar is in a low or when you're in a lower altitude, it's okay to go ahead and adjust those settings in your pump and then readjust when you get back. I recently had to do this when I flew home for Christmas break. And it made my life a lot easier going ahead and adjusting my basal pattern for three weeks and coming back and readjusting it and putting it back to normal rather than suffering through the consequences of having really high blood sugars while I was home with family and stressing about that instead. So that's always something to think about when you're somewhere for more than like a week or a week and a half. And then how to prepare. So depending on where you're going, you might want to bring more insulin. You might want to bring less. We always... Colleen and I have talked about this a lot too, where we always say, bring more than you think you need or bring more than you think you'll need in an emergency too. So generally, that looks like bringing three vials of insulin for two weeks of travel or something like that to where if a vial breaks or something happens and you lose a vial, you're going to have plenty of extra to compensate either for your high blood sugars or bringing more snacks to compensate for low blood sugars that you might have both while traveling and to account for altitude difference as well. So it's a general rule to always bring more supplies. And how do you prepare, Colleen? So I have a nice myabetic bag that I actually stuff inside my backpack. So I fly with just that huge, huge bag. And I'll have probably at least three set changes because I go to Denver for um, anywhere from three to five days on, on a given week. So I've got three site changes. I'll have one or two sensor changes depending on if I've just changed a sensor. If I need to change a sensor while I'm on the trip, then I bring two because if the first one fails, then I want the second one. I also bring two vials of my Novolog and I have two backups. So I bring my backup insulin pump and I also bring Lantus. So I have a prescription of Lantus and I have syringes. So if the backup pump doesn't work, then I have another backup to the backup. So you always want to make sure, like Jesse said, have more supplies than you actually think you'll need. 
And if you end up in a situation where you're stranded, like what happened with uh, the Southwest cancellations, or like what happened a couple of days ago with the FAA having their whole system go down and grounding flights. Oh, yeah, that was me. I was stuck in Denver for four and a half hours and I'm stuck on a tarmac for 45 minutes. Super fun yesterday. So exciting. <laughs> I mean, four and a half hours is not terrible, but it is also inconvenient. It was pretty bad. I got up at 2 a.m. to catch a 5 a.m. flight that got delayed by two hours. And then the whole system got delayed and they almost canceled our flight. And then the pilots were late getting there. And then we were sitting on the tarmac for 45 minutes. It was awful. It was a horrible day. If I were you at that point, I and if I did, hadn't checked a bag, I would have been like, I'm just going to get a rental car and drive all the way back. Because <laughs> at that point, you have no idea how long it's going to take the FAA to fix their system. I was so close. I was so close to doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I've got on uh, traveling and, and extra supplies. Any final words from you? Always bring extra supplies and just kind of... It's okay to not forget about this too, in case you are traveling and you think like, Oh, I didn't really remember that. Just understand that you're in a different environment than you're, than you're used to and you're out of your routine. So it's okay to mess up, have a couple of days, or you know, if you're on vacation for a week, it's okay to have messy blood sugars, but just remember to have a good time too. <laughs> yep. All right. Now it is your turn. Go ahead and think about the difficulties or maybe even the ease that you've had with managing your insulin during altitude changes or elevation changes. You know, I can never remember the difference between the two. What lessons can you share with other type 1 diabetics? We would actually love to hear from you in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.